Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Do you have a bucket list of adventures and no one to share them with? Are you tired of waiting for your boyfriend, Bob, to get over his extreme fear of heights so he can climb the mountain with you? Friend, if you're tired of waiting around for other people, it might be time to take the leap into solo adventuring. And I promise you, you can do it without falling off a cliff, breaking both arms, and having to dig a snow cave with your face to survive. In today's episode, we'll take a look at some common objections to solo travel and burn them down. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks, of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I am great and also a little bit nervous. I took a huge leap in my business this week. I'm actually hiring my first person to work with me and it's gonna be a virtual assistant. So they're doing things like working on the social media, helping to put up the show notes for the podcast. And it is helping me realize how completely like frazzled and overworked I was now that I'm setting up the systems for her to work on. I'm like, how did I live like that? <laughs> so even though it's a huge investment, it's also really exciting. I'm wondering what I'm gonna do with all this free time. I'm almost a little nervous about it. I'm like, I have to do something amazing, right? But I really think that sometimes just having free time and spaciousness and time for your mind to kind of dream and create is so important to you. So maybe I won't like do anything amazing right away. We'll see. I really feel like it's going to be such an amazing and good thing for me. So let's talk about something that could be an amazing, good, and life-changing thing for you. This is taking your first solo adventure trip, or if you've done it before and just maybe haven't enjoyed it so much, getting more comfortable with adventuring solo. And this topic came up for me 
this week because I actually just signed up for a solo adventure. I am actually really, really excited to go up and run the Volcanic 50. That's a 50K in Washington. It goes all the way around Mount St. Helens, which is a volcano that I watched like blow up on the news when I was a little kid. And I've always wanted to go there. I've never been there. And isn't it amazing that there's a 50K around it that I can run? So it's kind of been on my, my ultra running bucket list. And I finally decided this was going to be the year I have to pull the trigger because, you know, no more waiting around. I've kind of been asking people, I'm like, hey, who wants to do this? And no one seems to want to go up to Washington and run around an amazing volcano with me. So you know what? I'm going to do it on my own. And I feel like this represents a lot of growth. I feel like a year ago, I would not have done this. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I can't do a 50K without a crew and a friend and my mom and like someone to take me to the emergency room at the end if there's something wrong with me. Like I had all the reasons I couldn't do it. And I'll share a little bit in this episode about how that's changed and how my thinking has changed. So I think what I'll do. I'm going to actually walk you through kind of three objections that people have when they think about solo travel. If just the thought of like going on an adventure, traveling overseas, taking a hike, maybe joining a group trip to climb a mountain, but you don't know anyone there. If any of those things make you nervous, then definitely this is a good episode for you to listen to and also just see if any of these objections land, if any of these apply to you or have applied to you. So the first reason that people don't go on more solo adventures, solo trips, is they really believe it's dangerous. And objectively, to some degree, they're right, right? Like there are things we can mathematically prove that you're more likely to die if you do it alone. Like a good example is grizzly bears. If you're hiking in grizzly bear country alone, you are more likely to be killed by a bear. Just mathematically, statistically, not saying it's going to happen or that it happens often. And interestingly, bears, they rarely attack groups of more than three people. So is it more dangerous? Eh, yeah. Like in the mathematical sense, we have to say yes. However, I want to kind of break this down a little bit for you because I think it's a little more complicated than that. So some things to think about when you think of solo adventuring being more dangerous is that one, having other people around sometimes creates an illusion of safety that actually makes us stupid and makes things more dangerous. This comes up a lot in avalanche science. In avalanche training. You look a lot at group behavior and how the attitudes and the behavior of other people impact you as an individual. And one thing they find is that being with a group actually can make you more likely to die in an avalanche because you have this illusion of safety. Maybe you see the other people walking into dangerous territory and you feel like it's safe to go there. When maybe if you were by yourself and you know something about avalanches, you might look around and be like, hell no, I am not going there. <laughs> but it's harder to say no when other people are doing it. And it's easy to just be like, well, if they're doing it, it must be okay. Like our brains are kind of lazy like that, right? We just really at times like to follow the herd and not think for ourselves. So there's one example of how being with other people, it's more dangerous. Another example that happened to me, only time I've ever been mugged in my life 
like thankfully like didn't get hurt or anything like that but i was actually walking in a group of seven people like down a city street in central america and someone just grabbed the girl right next to me and they cut her purse strap off her shoulder and it, it was like terrifying right like she was really scared and shaken up and like all of us were and we just hadn't even been looking around or paying attention to our surroundings because we were in a big group the way we might have if if I was walking alone, I would definitely have been aware of who had been around me, right? Another way to think of solo adventures and danger is that it's also dangerous to not do the things you want to do. And when this is so true. When we look at human psychology and study people that are at the end of their lives, when they're asked, like, what do you regret the most? They Dying people always talk about the things they didn't do. They very rarely talk about, oh, I shouldn't have married that bitch back in 1984. Like, what a mistake. They're like, oh, you know, I wish I had proposed to my girlfriend, or I wish I had gone on the trip, or I wish I had done the thing that I really wanted to do, because now I realize that I'm out of time. Like, time doesn't last forever. And it's really interesting. On Amazon.com right now, I was just watching Dead Poet Society, which is one of my favorite movies from high school, college, and it's got all those Ethan Hawke and all those boys that were so cute back then. But one thing I, I love about that movie and, and still love is just how existential it is and how it's um, just like seize the day and all about like living now and living your passion and trying to inspire these young men who were like in this environment that it was very much like about duty and becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer. And like one of the poems they read is by Thoreau. And I think it's really applicable here. So I'm gonna read you a little bit right now. And it goes like this. It goes, I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately to confront only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. And now I'm crying. <laughs> Someday I'm going to do a podcast where I don't start to cry. <laughs> I'll like talk to you guys about stuff I feel really passionate about. So we're going to leave that in there. <laughs> I could back it up and record it again, but I'm not. So yeah. I think it, like when we think of danger and think of risk, it's also a risk not to do the thing. Another way to think of danger and risk on these trips is that sometimes going on a guided trip, joining a race, even if you're alone and don't know anyone else, is actually safer than just going with your friends. So this ultra race is a good example. If I wanted to hike around Mount St. Helens on the same trail with my friend Gail. Like, what if one of us broke a leg or something or fell or you know, had a heart attack? Like, we would have no way to get to medical help easily. It's very remote. It's very deep in the wilderness. They tell you this on the website when you're signing up for the race. And the beautiful thing about doing it at the race is that there's help every couple of miles. You know, if I were to have something happen, there's other people on trail. Someone would probably just run to the nearest aid station. They send back a medic. It's probably going to be not a fast extraction for me to be taken to a hospital, but probably much faster than if I was solo or with friends. So it's kind of funny. I, when I'm doing trail running, I have a really 
big fear of running downhill, I go really slow. And my coach used to say to me, like, in the race, run fast. Cause you know, if you fall and get hurt, like then someone's right there. Like it's comforting, right? To think about. So I think it's so true that sometimes joining an event is such a safe thing, even if you don't know anyone else. And finally, when you're thinking about the dangers of solo travel, solo adventures, what if bad things did happen? They could happen. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. But what if that actually made you a stronger person, made you braver, made you better? It happens all the time to people. I actually had an experience a couple of years ago where I was backpacking in Italy and I was camping and hiking up in the mountains near my campsite. And I actually fell and broke my arm <laughs> while I was solo hiking. I was about two hours from getting back to camp, walking all downhill, thank God. But it was kind of technical terrain and it was horrible. Like there was parts where you had to hold on to a cable because there was a lot of exposure. So I actually at one point like threw my backpack off a cliff and then used like my one good arm to go down the cable. <laughs> and <laughs> it really sucked. And then, you know, I got back to camp and I'm like, like, ah, oh, but like, shit, how do I even get to a hospital? I'm like in a little campground in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, it just went through all these things with this broken arm. But you know what? Like, it sucked. I would not have like added that to my trip as like an attraction if I was planning my trip. But man, did that give me like so much confidence, so much strength, so much like, I'm like, you know, I can go on a trip by myself. I can go hiking by myself. And if I fall and break my arm, like the world's not going to end, obviously. It didn't end for me. I'm still on this microphone talking to you. And that whole story is probably another podcast all in itself, but we'll save that for another day. But yeah, just know that life is not all about like, everything going right and never running into obstacles. And sometimes solo travel, it can really just put us up against that and we can see what we're made of. People think that it's dangerous. Hopefully that if that's something that's holding you back, those are some, some thoughts to tuck away. Another reason people don't do solo travel is that they're waiting for someone to go with. So they wait and wait and wait. And sometimes this can be a romantic partner. You might kind of have it in your head that I need to meet someone before I go and climb this mountain. I'm going to meet another person that loves mountaineering or wants to learn and we'll go have this amazing romantic trip together. And if you think about it, that's really limiting, right? Like what if you meet like an amazing person and they don't want to climb the mountain? Are you going to be like, no, <laughs> sorry, bye. <laughs> I got to wait for the, the mountain person. And if, if you did that, you just might miss out on so many wonderful people that would be the right person. And yeah, maybe they have everything else you need except wanting to climb the mountain. I actually dated a guy a couple of years ago. It was kind of funny. And we were like early in our relationship talking about going on vacation. And oh my gosh, he was like, you know, my favorite vacation I've ever had is to go to this resort in Mexico. It's all inclusive and you just lay on the beach. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't want to do that at all. And he was not interested in my idea of vacation either, which is like going and doing something crazy and very physical. So it ended up like we dated for like a year and had a really nice relationship and like went on our own vacations. Like when I was with him, I think I went on a vacation with my mom. I went on vacations by myself. I went on trips with friends and he did his own thing. And then when we were together, like we weren't like torturing each other about like <laughs> vacation and trying to manipulate each other into doing <laughs> 
the things that we wanted the person to do. Because, you know, we kind of had that taken care of on both of our ends so we could focus on stuff we both like. So I feel like if there's something that keeps you waiting, really take a look at that and take that apart and see if that, that really makes sense. I mean, you might be never going on that trip if you're waiting for the perfect person that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to pay thousands of dollars and invest in all this training just to do that with you. I don't know. I mean, maybe you might. Like, who knows? Life is strange. Another thing that comes up a lot, and this is something I experience a lot, is just like wanting to go on the trip with a friend or someone in your life. Maybe it's a family member, but you just can't quite get them to commit. Maybe they're like, oh, you know, if I get enough vacation days this year or if the stars align or if my my husband says yes. I can go on this with you. And meanwhile, you're like ready to go. You know this is on your bucket list and it's something you really want to do. So a question for you is how long are you going to wait for this person to be ready? You could end up waiting forever because there are a lot of people that would love to go on a trip, but they're just not really brave enough. Like unless life really like kicks them in the ass, like they are definitely not going to go, even though they say they're going to go, even though they might think they might have convinced themselves that they're going to go. And the interesting thing about those people is sometimes if you like pull the trigger and you're like, hey, I bought a ticket to Kyrgyzstan, like this place we've always talked about going together. I got my plane ticket in my hand, you know, I am going on this date. Would you like to go with me? Sometimes it's the kick in the pants they need to get off their ass and really get serious. And, you know, sometimes that's when they realize that maybe it's just not going to happen for them, at least not anytime soon. And then you're free. You're free to go and do your thing. And this brings up something I've talked about on the podcast before about like the importance of being a leader in your life. Once you start going on trips you enjoy and then saying no to trips that other people maybe want you to go on that maybe you're not really excited about, that's when the magic happens. It can be a lonely place. It can be really tough to do that. However, I really believe that that's when you start attracting the people into your life that are on the same wavelength, that like the same things, that really will in the long term, be the good adventure partners for you. You're never going to find them if you just kind of like half-ass it and go on everyone else's trips and put your dreams on hold. And hey, maybe that's how you're going to meet the romantic partner (laughs) that wants to climb that special mountain with you. You never know. Whenever you want something, though, you're really like sending that vibe out into the universe. And I always believe that it's going to come back to you. So waiting for someone to go with There are some reasons why you should just go and hope they come along and be okay with it if they don't. So third and final one I'm going to cover is, this is like another reason people don't go on adventures alone. They assume it's better and more fun with friends. And I think on one hand, this can totally be true. But I think there are certain friends that travel and adventure well together. And there are certain friends and they might be like really good friends that maybe like that's not what you are meant to do with them. (laughs) That is not how you are meant to be friends. And honestly, sometimes it's better to go on your trip alone or join a group trip where you don't know anyone than to go with the wrong friends. And I have like a such a funny example of this. I'll give these people pseudonyms so it's easier to tell the story. But I had a friend, we'll call her Jackie. She is wanting to go down to South America and do some climbing. She invites a couple of friends. One of the friends she invites is Ruth. I'm going to call her Ruth because she's ruthless. Like this person is 
wanting to go down to South America and climb, but she is like less interested in hanging out with a group and being a team and helping each other. She wants to get to the top of the mountain. So the group gets down there, they take off. They're all like self-guided. They don't have a guide really. They're all kind of relying on each other. And really Ruth, she kind of goes at her own pace. She kind of races up to the top in a couple of days. She's done. Everybody, Jackie and the rest of them are still coming up. So Ruth goes down to base camp and she's she's waiting. She's done as far as she's concerned. And meanwhile, like Jackie and the rest of the team, they make an attempt and they they don't make it. So they have to come way down to base camp. And they're like, oh, you know, we're going to give this another try. And they realize when they get down there that Ruth is tired of waiting and has given up all their spaces <laughs> at the base camp. So you have to have a reservation to be there. And she got rid of all their reservations so that they wouldn't have time to try again because she was tired of waiting. And I think she just really wanted to go back to the city and dance salsa and drink beer. So yeah, there's a great example of like, you don't want to go <laughs> climb mountains with a Ruth. <laughs> So yeah, you'd be better like just going on your own or getting a guide and going with a bunch of people you don't know, right? And I think this brings up a good point. Like sometimes mountaineering with your friends is hard. I actually know both of these people, Jackie and Ruth in real life, they're wonderful people. Like I was really surprised when I heard about that. But um, I think like one thing that comes up is that it's easier to fight with people you know we fight a lot more with the people we feel safe with in general. I, if you have kids, you know this. That's why they're like so sweet to their teachers and then come home and are just like a little terror to you because you're safe. You're mom, you're dad, you're <laughs> the safe person. And the opposite is also true. We're often really polite to strangers. Like if we go on a group trip and there's a bunch of people there, we might like be on our best behavior and they'll kind of be doing the same. And often it's, bit of a smoother dynamic in that way. So sometimes it can help to preserve your friendships if you don't do like really intense adventures and things together. I know I only have like a very small number of people that I can mountaineer with. They're people who have similar goals, similar attitudes, similar pace, they're low drama. They're out to have fun more than to like chase the summit. So those people, it took me a while to find them. And now that I have them, they're very precious and <laughs> you want to be good to those people. But, you know, I have wonderful friends that I would not go on a mountaineering trip with because it just wouldn't work. So, yeah, assuming it's better, more fun with friends, not necessarily true. Could be true, but in a lot of cases, it can be tough. Sometimes you're a little bit better off going on your own. So before we wrap up today, I just wanted to share some options for those of you who are thinking about taking an adventure trip alone, whether that's a mountaineering trip, just a, or even just like a local hike or backpacking trip near you, closer to home, some ways that you can go about it. So one way you can do it is just to completely solo it. If it's not super risky, and super risky is relative for different people. What I might think I would never do alone, some people wouldn't even think twice. Like I would never climb, let's say, Capitol Peak, which is a really kind of scrambly, exposed, technical 14er here in Colorado. I wouldn't do that by myself, but I was up at Capitol Lake last year and I was watching and there was like a guy just headed up the trail like he was totally going for it by himself and you know looked well equipped and like he had done this before and i'm like you know more power to you like for some people that feels okay to do alone so first being really honest with yourself and maybe starting with things that feel 
pretty safe trails you know and are familiar with where you're not likely to get lost, going to places, well, I guess it could work either way, going to places with lots of people. I think sometimes we feel safer when there's other people on trail. I don't know, some people might feel less safe. Sometimes like it's nice to just be away from people and there's shenanigans. But yeah, if you do decide to do that, make sure you just have a good safety plan. Someone always knows where you are, when to expect you back, what to do if you don't come back. It's also good to carry something like an inReach, a spot, a satellite beacon, so that in case there was an emergency and you didn't have cell phone service, you could always summon help. Another thing to do that if you want to go on a solo trip, don't have anyone to go with, hire a guide. You can hire someone to go with you and it'll be someone that's actually super knowledgeable, will help you point, like pretty much like lead you through the whole thing. And, and I, I know a lot of people, like there's kind of a purist side of the mountaineering community that's like, we don't go with guides. That's like cheating or that's not real mountaineering. And I would just like to call bullshit on that. I personally just don't have endless time to plan big mountaineering trips. I really need someone to do it for me, especially like now when I'm working two jobs and trying to balance like so many things. And also having a guide just reduces the cognitive load. You're not having to route find and make all the decisions and think about all the logistics. You just kind of show up, the guide takes you on this wonderful adventure and it feels like a vacation. So certainly I, I would not write that off no matter what other people say or what you read on the internet. Going with a guide, I, it still counts. It's still gonna be like an awesome time and still gonna be a challenge. And last thing you can think about is joining a group trip. And this is often the most cost-effective way to do it, especially if it's something like climbing a mountain, going on a long trek that's like really somewhat expensive to hire a guide to be with you the whole time by yourself. And you'll be probably on there with other people you don't know. But as we mentioned, often those people will be really supportive and everyone will usually to some degree be on their best behavior, like more than they would be with, you know, people they feel really comfortable with. And I found on these trips that often you form like the most amazing friendships. This is the start of that being a leader and attracting the right people. Going on a group trip, you're like opening yourself to meeting those people because that's the kind of people who are gonna be there with you. And kind of the other flip side of group trips, which is really nice, is if you don't like the people or say you poop your pants and do something embarrassing, say you like lose your cool and like yell at someone and have a fit and then like later you feel so much shame. You know what? Like you never have to see those people again. They're like gone. Like you, if you don't wanna talk to them, you can just kind of let them like fade into history and just get on with your life, you know, and hopefully not poop the pants next time. But yeah, it's such a so strange to end an episode on the subject of pooping your pants. But there you go. That's kind of where it ended. So <laughs> that's where I'm going to leave you. And I'll just say, I really, really hope that if you are really strongly desiring to do something and just not finding the right people that you do give 
solo adventuring a try. It really is something that I've kind of had to ease into. I am kind of an extrovert and kind of attached to other people and not was not naturally drawn to doing things by myself. And the more I did it, just like the more it's enriched my life. I've been able to do so many more things than I would have if I had to wait for a friend to go with me or a boyfriend to go with me for every single thing like exponentially more things. So that is my hope for you, that it will enrich your life in the same way. And yeah, if you have any questions, definitely hit me up in the Facebook group. I will leave a link in the show notes. And other than that, I will see you next week. Have a good one. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.